0: Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? So in my search for other real estate investor YouTube channels, I was recommended by a subscriber to check out Kevin Ward. Kevin Ward is a, near as I can tell, a realtor or a broker. Uh, and uh, he's, he's got a pretty big channel, 113,000 subscribers. So thank you very much for the recommendation. Uh, the video I watched was about 25 minutes in duration. It was called the Housing Market Update, Where is the Tsunami? And a couple of things about Kevin's channel that I found outstanding. First off, he has clearly been doing this a while. He has what I think is called the magic whiteboard, where uh, he has, I'm I'm guessing it's a projector that is showing different um, articles and metrics. And then he's actually using the whiteboard technology to make points and connections and call out and erase and very, very well done, Kevin. Uh, clearly a natural uh, at doing that. And I really loved how you planned out your talk track uh, using headline articles uh, from Bloomberg and the like to, to really do your discussion. Uh, in that article, again, just kind of giving you my review and feedback on that, um, his first and inf- first point was a tsunami doesn't come right after the shake, right? Talks about, hey, a tsunami comes with force, but it takes time to get here. Uh, He had many, many charts about unemployment. He had many charts talking about, hey, what was the unemployment during the Great Recession? There was another one he talked about in the 80s, really making the connection between past bad unemployment numbers and today. Today is off the charts. Um, He then went on to talk about mortgage delinquencies uh, at 16 percent of FHA, uh, record numbers, sixty days late. And that's where that's where some of his connection points I may not agree with, but I thought he did a wonderful job uh, of talking about him. My first thought, when I looked at those charts, this is probably about sixty percent of the way through his video where he's making the making the connection between unemployment, delinquencies and what is going to be the tsunami in his opinion of reos and short sales first and foremost and i've learned this the hard way because i've been talking about this for a while myself that is comparing past recessions which were business cycle related with a government forced recession is dangerous because we are already seeing the, the kind of cycle go the other direction in faster rates. Um, the other thing that I really thought was missing from the analysis, and again, it's just experience, and, and I'm sure it's there, I'm sure he has it, is when you look at unemployment, it doesn't tell us um, are you a renter or an owner, right? Uh, it just says you're unemployed, it doesn't say you know, hey, you're unemployed renter, you're an unemployed owner. Because the connection I saw him trying to make is high unemployment equals high short sales and foreclosures. And I think that's I don't know, in a dangerous assumption today. I think by all aspects, this recession was very much focused on the service industry. From the details that I have read, the predominance of the service sector at that tier of income. Are renters not owners so unemployment bad totally agree uh, unemployment that is skewed towards the service sector a that goes away and comes back quickly and oh by the way skew renter versus owner I'm not sure if I see the same tsunami uh, that he is calling for All right, he's calling for a tsunami next spring next summer Was kind of his closing thoughts the other thing that is that he did in this right after that discussion is he started talking about New York. And he, a lot of the examples he brought up, I've shared with you on this channel already. Uh, he had a full Wall Street Journal, the physical paper. He showed, you know, I forget what it was, a New York condo was 19 million, now 10 million. You know, look at that as an example. He talked about 30 months of supply in Manhattan, very much... What I saw him do there was he made a connection between what's happening in New York is the epicenter. And then what I saw Kevin do is he tried to say that's going to happen across the country. And I just don't agree. I don't agree at all. I think there are very, there are lots of urban cities like New York. He brought up San Francisco. Totally agree. I think there's LA and, and Seattle and Chicago and some other big cities that are going to be in the same kind of trouble like New York. But geographically speaking, what is that? 10% of the US and the other 90% are going to be okay? So I thought that was, um, I don't know what I wanna call it, a a skewed review. I think New York is in trouble. And if that was Kevin's point, dead on. I I think New York, San Francisco have a 10 years of pain ahead. It will be cheaper to rent and own in New York and San Francisco going forward. And then he started going into this stuff is coming. Um, he talked about getting prepared and doing all of those things. What, the thing I think we need to talk about, uh, and he talked about you know rising delinquencies and whatnot, but let's just talk about the elephant in the room and that is forbearance. And the forbearance number is about 3.9 million. Let's you and I round it to 4 million because it makes math easier. So if there's 4 million people in forbearance, that is going to break down some way, somehow. First, there will be some percentage that have been went into forbearance but had the money, just were scared, right? They thought they'd lose their job, but they didn't. Uh, Let's see, I'll make these notes down. So we start at 4 million. I'm just going to put this down so I can try to do the math at the same time. Let's just say 5% is in that camp. So not a big number. So that's what, 200,000 people? Or 200,000 families or houses or whatever? All right, so that's 5%. Then there's the folks uh, that were were um, uh, let go or put on furlough that found employment elsewhere. Let's say that's 5%. <sighs> Sorry, that happens when you do these things live. So that's another 200,000. The big one is going to be, okay, you've been in forbearance. Uh, at some point, you, your company calls you back and you know, now you can make it up. The rules and the regulations of this forbearance is most people will put it on as a second, zero interest, pay when you're all done. Um, you know, Let's say that, I don't know, what do you want to say? That's 15%? Still pretty small numbers, right? So that's what, 600,000 people? Then there's the people that are in trouble. They need to sell. And, you know, right now, what do we got? So we've got about a million uh, people in forbearance covered already. So we got three million left. Here's the deal. Real estate has been going up in most cities. So if you're in forbearance and you're in New York and you're in San Francisco and you're in Chicago and you're in Miami and you're in Las Vegas, right, the big cities, your property values could be down, right, because of urban flight. So your property might be less than the mortgage. It might not, depending on when you bought it, right? You could still have equity. What I'm really trying to figure out is of the last three million folks that are in forbearance that need to sell, how many of them you think have equity? Because most of the country is going up and it's certainly gonna go up between now and April. So while inventory may come on the market, it's gonna be inventory that has equity and I invested through the last crash. The last crash, people didn't have equity, thus they just sat in their homes and did strategic default. That is not gonna happen this time. If you're sitting in a house and you owe 150 grand but you could sell it for 200 grand, you're gonna sell it because you wanna put $35,000 in your pocket after transaction costs. You're not gonna sit in it and let some bank take it from you. It's just not gonna happen, people. If people have equity, and a lot more and more people do every month, they are gonna sell. It won't end in a short sale or a foreclosure unless you're in a big city. So of the remaining 3 million folks in forbearance, I'm gonna guess half of them, and it's probably more, but let's be conservative. So that's 1.5 million people have equity, and they're just gonna sell. They're going to sell, they're going to be gone, they're going to either become renters or they're going to move. So that leaves 1.5 million homes that are going to be uh, possible for short sales and foreclosures. Some of those are going to get worked out, right? You're going to get a job, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Some of those will get worked out. Even if all of those go the foreclosure and short sale route, that's not a ton of inventory in a market that's you know less than three months across the country that will get absorbed very quickly so most of the country i do not see the price deterioration that kevin is calling for i think kevin ward has does an outstanding job on his channel um i just think he's connecting past recessions with one that was government-led and i don't think that's okay. Plus, I have experienced through the last crash, and Kevin probably does as well, just given the way he talks. I think he did as well. But this, this, this price deterioration is not going to be single-family-led. It's just not. It's going to be commercial, retail, office, maybe multifamily. Certainly, urban cities are in trouble. But that's not most of the country. I don't think most of the country has a tsunami, as Kevin talks about, coming. We'll see, right? We're both on record now. He's talking about spring of next year. Uh, I think there will be some major cities with price destruction, but I think most of the country is going to be okay. I think the tsunami is going to peter out and it's not going to be this massive thing uh, that maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Kevin thinks it is. So at the end of the day, got to watch Kevin Ward. I think he does an outstanding job, true professional, uh, very articulate, uses statistics and gives his opinion, which is awesome. I really appreciate that. And of course, two people with different experiences can look at the same stuff and see it differently. That's what makes YouTube great. That's what makes finding other YouTube channels fun for me uh, because it really helps wrap my mind around what is possible because I love looking at data and seeing that Kevin has a different opinion than mine. I thought that was a lot of fun. So thanks for the recommendation. If you have other people I should follow, leave them below. Uh, I'm all about looking at different folks and seeing what I can do to get better. Take care. Bye.